Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Just uh, looking out, watching you guys uh, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I try not to get too emotional because that's what girls do. <laughs> but um, it's really hard to do that, looking out at you guys all singing praises to the Lord. And uh, it's pretty remarkable. It really is. And so, uh, and, and what about Kale? Wasn't that cool? Listening to him? Man, you guys should support this guy. You really should. And that's saying something, because I'm a missionary who needs your money. <laughs> and, uh, but this guy, man, he's young and hungry. I've been doing this a lot. I don't even care anymore. So you ought to, all of you in here, you, uh, you can do something for him. You know, if you can support him. Give them a one-time love offering, or if you don't, if you can't do that, give them the contacts of someone you know who can. Everyone in here can do something for them. So meet them after the service and load this guy up. Get them over there. You see all those people that need the Lord? That just gets me so excited. There's a lot of people going to hear about Christ because of this couple. So if you don't get excited about that, man, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. So uh, do me a favor and hit him up after the service. And it's, uh, it's wonderful to see everyone. It's always such a pleasure to be here. And uh, I, I could go on and on about all the people that I love to see every time I come. And uh, I, can't, I can't make any jokes about Sam because uh, I, would, I wouldn't be anything without him. So uh, I usually leave him alone. He's, he's, he's my man. And, but it is great to see Brandon. It's always great to see Brandon. Pastor Allen on Sunday was over at Harvest, and he was saying that we're not just a missions-minded church, we're, we're a movement. And I thought, well, that makes sense, because if you're going to have a movement, you need some 70s Jesus walking around, right? <laughs> you, can't have, you can't have a movement without that. So uh, we are set. <laughs> Full on. Yeah, and uh, I was so excited when they told me I was going to speak tonight, and uh, they were like, uh, man, we're, we want you to come and speak, and I, I was so flattered, because I was like, why? And, uh, and I was so excited, and then they were like, yeah, you're going to follow Mark. I was like, oh, <laughs> come on. Man, that's, that's tough. So I went to Mark, you know, and I was hoping for a little encouragement and I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's tough. I have to follow you. And he's like, yeah, that's rough, man. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I didn't know what to say. But uh, <laughs> he didn't say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> I just tried to hold a straight face. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. 
Yeah, I love you guys so much. It's, uh, it's a, such a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm just, uh, oh, thanks. Um, my family says hi. Um, they're not talking to me at the moment because they're all mad at me that I came without them. Uh, I just wanted to go on the record. Mindy told me that I should come. And uh, she was like, you need to go. And I was like, I'm going to be leaving you guys. And she's like, you need to go. And I was like, that's great, because I really want to go. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, but they were all really mad at me uh, that they couldn't be here uh, as well. They love this place. They were like, why did you leave this place? You know? And I was like, well, uh, the Lord you know, they told me to. That's, the, that's really the only thing that could drag me away from this place. But um, if you would, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I've got to, there's so many other people that I could talk about right now because I'm so excited to see every one of you, but uh, we have to get out of here at some point tonight. So uh, turn over to Romans chapter 12. We're going to just look at the first verse. And uh, it's a very common verse. It's one that you guys all know, but it really represents something that uh, when we're over there doing whatever it is that we do over there, it's something that we have to wrestle with uh, every single day. And uh, we, do, we do laugh all the time, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's not a, a constant battle. And uh, I think that's the reason why we laugh all the time. It's either that or you cry or drink a lot. One of the two, you know, that's really all you can do. And, uh, and so we, we decide to not do that, and we decide to, to pray and to return back to the scriptures. And this is the place where I, I have to come to in one way or another every single day. So I'm just going to pray real quick and ask God to help me. Father, Lord, I pray that you would please help me to, to preach, to preach your word. Help us to be able to hear it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, there is uh, probably the most famous book that's ever been written on warfare uh, was a book called The Art of War. Have you, anyone ever read that in here? You got anybody? All right, got three literate people. So that's uh, <laughs> this book, The Art of War, was written by Sun Tzu and uh, was written by this famous Chinese warrior. And uh, it's an amazing book. It really is. And uh, it is about warfare, but it's, it's so cool. And I encourage you to read it. I've probably read it about three times. And it gives you everything that you would need to know about warfare in that. Everything from the attitude and the character uh, of the generals uh, to the soldiers and the terrain that you might be fighting on. It tells you all about the different tactics that you would use uh, in order to combat and to defeat your enemies. And one of the things that he says in this book that I thought was really fitting uh, was there was a bit of advice that he gives to his generals. And the advice was this. He says, whenever you just get into uh, enemy territory uh, just a little, not all the way. I mean, once you get in, then you're in. There's really nothing you can do but fight your way out. But when you just go into the enemy territory just a little bit, he says, what I advise you to do is I advise you to burn your bridges and burn your boats. He says, because when you get into the enemy territory just a little bit, then your men are going to be thinking about retreat. They're going to be thinking about going home. They're thinking, man, we can still leave this place. He said, so do yourself a favor and burn your bridges and burn all of your boats. And here in Romans chapter 12, uh, I really 
appreciated what Sun Tzu wrote, because here in Romans 12, we find that the Apostle Paul is really has something in common with Sun Tzu. And what he's saying here is very similar, because Paul is asking us here to burn our bridges and to burn our boats. I mean, he's just gone for 11 chapters of just solid doctrine about all that Christ has done for us in order to save our souls. And it's only just now, as you creep into Romans 12, that he calls you into action. So in that way, as you go through that study, you're, you're kind of just entering into enemy territory. And it's right then that the Apostle Paul says, listen, now's the time to burn your bridges and to burn your boats. And we all know that you have two calls upon your life. Uh, one is the call to salvation, and the other is the call to serve. And Paul has already finished for 11 chapters teaching you about the first call. And now he goes in right here, he begins the second one, which is really what this conference is all about. It's about the call to serve. And so Paul's already explained the first, and now he's going to really initiate the, se the second one. And so I want us to take a look at what it is that Paul says when he asks us to burn our bridges and our boats and take a closer look at this passage that we're probably all far, far too familiar with and take a closer look at it and see exactly what it is that Paul's asking us to do. Well, the first thing that he says here is he says, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So we know right off the bat, we're going to just look at a few things to kind of look at the content of this sacrifice that he's asking us to make, okay? I know I don't have any notes for you or anything. That's because uh, I have no work ethic. So I, I don't, <laughs> I didn't write any. So I wish there was a better reason. Um, but so I want you to really just look up here and just pay attention to me as I try to explain this, okay? So we know right off the bat that he's talking to Christians. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, right? Back in nine, he says, my brethren after the flesh, talking about Israel. But here he's talking about his brothers in the Lord. He's talking to us. And he says, and I beseech you. Now that word beseech means to make an appeal to someone. He's making an appeal to us. He's asking us something. In some cases, uh, it even means to beg, to beseech. This is something he's really imploring us to do. He's really has a lot of consternation. He's asking us, I want you to do this. I really need you to do this. It's something that he's asking us to do. And it's really important that we make a distinction here. This is something that is required of us. When it comes to your service, when it comes to you living a sanctified life of holy service to the Lord, that is not something that God is going to do for you. That is something that you are required to do yourself. He's already told you 11 chapters of what God has done for you. Now is really the first time. There's a few minor verses in six, but this is really the first time that he gives us an exhortation, a command for us to follow. This is for us. It's our responsibility to do this. And God will not do for you what you are required to do for yourself. It's like my daughter, you know, she studies all the time. I mean, she just, I'm the one that always has to drag her away. I'm like, come on, let's go watch a movie or something. And she's like, I would, Dad, but I have a lot of studying to do. So that's why I ask Hudson, right? I go to Hudson and say, hey, let's go watch a movie. He's like, cool. 
But you know, when you're studying for those tests so hard, I mean, you have a response. Now you can pray at the last minute for God to help you with that test, but he ain't gonna study for you, is he? I know, I've tried that. (laughs) He is not gonna study for you. And what he expects you to do for yourself, he's not going to do for you. You have a responsibility. You have the ability. He has given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you the word of God. He's given you the church of God. He has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness according to 1 Peter. He's given us everything, sorry, 2 Peter chapter one. He's given us all of the things that we need to live a godly life. You have the ability to live a life of holy service to your father. And so Paul asks you, based upon that, to do just that, to serve him with all of your heart. In Philippians chapter two, verse 12 and 13, he says, uh, wherefore brethren, this is also Paul talking, he says, wherefore brethren, uh, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God's the one that works inside of you. He gives you the want to, he gives you the ability to do it, but you, brother, have got to work it out. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He may work it in, but your responsibility is to work it out. So this is something that he's asking us to do. We have a lot of passive Christians that walk around, they, you know, put up their hands and sit on the hillside and eat bird seed and play the ukulele and just say, man, God, please just make me a loving person. Man, that ain't gonna happen. I got news for you. You can, you can pray all day for God to help you to quit that habit. That's not gonna happen. You have the responsibility to obey. I wish that there was a different answer. Believe me, but there's not. Now, what he also says, though, is he says that this is based upon the mercies of God. I'm moving quick. We got to get to this other good stuff, okay? He says it's based upon, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He's pointing, therefore, back to the 11 chapters that he just finished on all the mercies of God that he has given you through Christ on the cross. It is based upon those mercies, right? He says the same thing over in Titus 3, 5. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his, where are you guys at? According to his mercy, right? According to his mercy, he saved us, right? That's what he talks about in the first 11 chapters. It's all based upon that. Now, what he means by that is this, is that whenever you were lost, when without Christ, you couldn't have served God if you wanted to. Everything that you did in your life, no matter whether it was good or bad, was done in service to that king. It was done in service to the devil who was your father and who is the king of this world. Whether it was good or bad, it was all done in service to that king because that's the kingdom that you were a part of. It was not until Christ shed his blood on the cross and through faith, he took you out of the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. And it was at that point, at long last, you were free to serve the living and true God. You have been freed to serve. That's what he means. I beseech you based upon the great mercy that he has given you. 
He has given you this great mercy. He says, I beseech you that you would now present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. I want you to look exactly at what Paul is asking us to do. Just a quick, few quick questions. Uh, Paul is asking us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, what is exactly that Paul is asking us to sacrifice? He's asking us to sacrifice our bodies. Now, the words are important. We dare not just kind of take this by connotation. We have to look at those words because he's asking us to sacrifice our bodies. You see, if you're a believer, God already has your heart. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about your body, your hands, your feet, your ears. He's talking about what you do. He's not talking about your beliefs right now. He's talking about your behavior, what you actually do with your body. He's not talking about your good intentions. And that's very important because when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, this is what forms the basis of our judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us may receive, right, the things done in his what? According to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Now, husbands and wives, we know this kind of distinction all too well because us husbands, we're all about the good intentions, right? But the wives aren't interested in your good intentions, I go to Mindy all the time and I'm like, man, baby, I, I meant well. You know, my heart was in the right place. I had the best of intentions. And she's like, I don't care what your intentions were. What I care about is what you did. Any wives out there? You guys know what I'm talking about. And our husbands are so good about that. Man, baby, it's going to be all right. I, I mean well. And I, I promise it'll just take time. And if you just give me some time, and that, none of that's true. But we say it. Let me tell you what really counts, what you did, what you do with your body. That's what really counts. That's where the proof is at. Not what you say, not what you promise, and not what you meant to do. What really counts is what you do with your body. So he's asking us to give our bodies. What are you doing with your body? What are you doing for the Lord with your body? He's asking us to give a living sacrifice. It's a, he's, he's asking us to live for him. That's what he's asking us to do. According to 2 Corinthians 5.15, he says that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That's the kind of sacrifice that he's asking for us. It's a living sacrifice. He wants us to live in holy service to him. That's the kind of life that Paul is asking us to live. It's a life that we live in holiness. That's the next word used right there in the verse. A living sacrifice that is holy, a life that is acceptable unto him. He wants us to give our bodies to him, to live for him a life of holiness. But when we think about holiness, we think about all kinds of weird stuff sometimes. When we think of the word holy sounds kind of spooky, holy. It's weird. We, we think of people in you know, monasteries and scratchy clothes and long beards that smell really bad, right? That's what we think about. And of course, there's nothing biblical about that. That's not the life that, that God has called us to. 
But we also think about people that are not necessarily in monasteries. We think about other people that they're just socially just weird, right? We think of someone who's holy. We often think, man, that's weird people. These are people that they dress weird and they have these weird list of rules that they're, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. And of course, that stuff is just as unbiblical as the people living in a monastery. There's nothing biblical about that. They just made the list up. Someone did and then they passed it down. And we think of that as being holy and there's nothing really holy about that. What holiness is, Holiness is service. Holiness is having your life be set apart for his service. That's what the word holy means, to be set apart. In Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, it says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, and being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. That's what it means to live a holy life. It means to serve, to serve his righteousness, to serve him. So I want to explain a little bit, so we understand the content of this sacrifice, what he's asking us to do, but I want us to explain, I want to explain just a little bit more about this sacrifice so that you can understand clearly what it is that Paul is asking us to do. See, Paul here is using some uh, Old Testament imagery when he talks about coming and bringing a sacrifice. We can clearly see that. Paul was a Jew. He's using this Old Testament imagery because in the Old Testament, they had this sacrificial system that can be clarified for you in Leviticus uh, specifically. And you get multiple references to it, but in Leviticus, it clearly lays uh, these offerings out. And there are uh, five of them. Uh, you have a burnt offering, you have a meat offering, a peace offering, you have a sin offering, and a trespass offering. But when you look closely at the word that Paul uses for sacrifice here, it, it, it kind of jumps out at you what Paul is really asking. Now, it's obvious from the text, but when you look closely at the word, the word sacrifice here is a word that means a sacrifice offered by fire. That's the word that Paul is using. Paul is not talking about a sin offering here because that's already been given. You following with me? Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That sin offering has already been provided. What he's talking about here is a burnt offering that is given for a very specific reason. And you see it laid out for us in Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. We don't have time to go there. I wish we did. We could camp there for a long time. But just let me give you the scoop, what he's telling you to do there in Leviticus. Okay, so he tells Moses, here's what you do when you bring a burnt offering, that you bring a lamb that is spotless, and you bring it in, and the people who are offering it, they are supposed to offer it voluntarily. It's a voluntary offering. And you bring it, and you bring it before the priest, and the people who are offering it have to lay their hand on it to identify with the lamb. And then the priest is then kills the lamb, and he pours the blood out. And then they offer it upon the altar, and then they have to burn the entire thing. Now, he goes through all the details about how they gut the thing and cut it open and all that stuff, but it's pretty gross, so we're not going to read all that, okay? So he just says, lay it on the altar, and we're going to burn the entire thing up. And that's exactly the offering that Paul is talking about here, is a burnt offering. 
Now, this kind of offering was given for a very specific reason. It was given for the purpose of consecration. That's the first thing you need to know about this offering. It is a consecration sacrifice. And consecration means nothing less than total devotion to God. It's not a sin offering. It is a consecration offering of devotion to God. This offering is made to reflect your offering of voluntary service to the Lord. So if you get the picture, if we use New Testament language, what they're saying is they bring that lamb in and the lamb represents Christ who died in our place. And they put him up on the altar and the person lays their hand upon him to say that my old life is dead in Christ. And now my new life is going to be used in total devotion and service to the Lord. That's exactly what this offering is meant to reflect. You see this same thing in uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Paul says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves, present yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members, your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. Do you get that? That's what Paul is asking us to do. We're laying down the old man so that we can take up the new man and live like those who are alive. We gotta live like those who are alive. We wanna live a life that is set apart to serve our Father. Paul is asking us here to consecrate ourselves, to voluntarily devote ourselves to his service. But not only is this sacrifice a consecration sacrifice, but it's also a complete sacrifice. It is a consecration sacrifice, but it is also a complete sacrifice. As I told you, when they put it on the altar and they light this thing on fire, they don't save any of it. They burn the entire thing up. And that is exactly what is meant to happen to our old man, not making any provision for the flesh. We're to see all of it burned up, to be completely consumed so that we might live in the new man for our Lord Jesus Christ. But something else happens. Whenever they use this offering to sanctify and to consecrate Aaron and his sons for the priesthood, to devote them to that service of the priesthood, Moses does something that's really, it's kind of gross, but it's kind of cool too, okay? In Leviticus chapter 8, verses 21 to 24, listen to what he says here. It says, and he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram, and he slew it. It says, and then he took the blood of it, and he put it, he put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear, Right? And then he put it on the thumb of his right hand, right? He put it on the right hand because left-handed people are weird. They always chose the right-handed people. I don't know what the deal is with that. 
So he put it on the thumb of his right hand and then he took the blood and he put it on his great toe of his right foot, right? The right ear, the right thumb and the right toe. When they consecrated Aaron and his sons, to his sons, they did exactly the same thing to all of them. Right ear, right thumb, right toe. And this signifies that the blood of this consecrated sacrifice is meant to apply to the whole person, to everything that you hear, to everything that you do, to every place that you go. Your whole body has been sanctified, has been set apart and consecrated to the Lord for his service. And when you, when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, isn't that exactly what the Bible tells us? He says, know you not, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And that you have been purchased by God, right? And that what? And that you are not your own. For you've been bought with a price. Your body belongs to God. And he says, so therefore you should glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our whole body your hands, your feet, your ears, they belong to God. And it's interesting, what you see in Judges chapter 1, okay, verses 6 and 7. Uh, this is really cool, okay? Uh, whenever they would capture the kings and they had determined that they weren't going to kill them, guess what they did to them? Anybody know? Good. What they would do is they would cut off their thumbs and they would cut off their big toes, now that's freaking cruel, man. That is cruel. But it's kind of cool, too. And that's what they did exactly. When they, they ran a guy, uh, against this guy named Adonai Bezak, they should have done it to him just for his name alone. But Adonai Bezak, man, they, they caught up with this joker. And they, they pinned him down. And, of course, they cut off his thumbs and cut off his toes. And after they did, he says, man, I've done this to... 70 kings before me, and now God has just requited me for all that I've done. Now, why would they do that to him? Why would they cut off their thumbs and their toes? The reason why they would do that is because it would incapacitate them in battle. They were unable to fight now. They had kind of neutered them, so to speak, for the battle. It was a humiliating thing for a soldier and my fear is, is that some of us have been incapacitated for the battle by our enemy because we have not given our body to the Lord. And he's caught up with us. And instead of putting the blood on our thumbs and our toes of consecration, they've been amputated. And we've been incapacitated and laid to the side in the battle because we've allowed the enemy to still have control over our bodies even though the Lord Jesus Christ has your heart. I remember reading this story uh, from Watchman Nee. He's a, he's a great writer and he tells this one story in this book called The Normal Christian Life about this guy who's traveling on a train and there's some guys on the other side. And I like this story because I travel on a train all the time. And it's really boring and it takes a long time to get there. And so the, they're on a really long journey and they're thinking, well, we're trying to kill some time. So what we'll do is we'll gamble 
in order to maybe make some money and, you know, maybe make the trip go a little bit faster. So they look across the aisle at this other, this Christian man that's sitting on the other side and they said to him, hey, why don't you come over here? We need a fourth to complete the circle. Why don't you come over and gamble with us and it'll kill the time and maybe you'll make some money. And the man looks at him and he says, I can't. He says, I didn't bring my hands with me. And they're like, what? And uh, he said, yeah, he says, these hands belong to God. I left mine at home, so I can't. It's kind of corny. <laughs> but it's a great story. <laughs> and it reminds me all the time when I think of that, these are not my hands. These hands do not belong to me. Whenever you turn on the TV and you remember, these ears are not mine. They, they don't belong to me. Yeah, good. When it comes to sin that you're involved in, you think these are not my hands to do with as I please. What about when it comes to the path that you're going to walk, when it comes to the life that you're going to choose? These feet do not belong to you to do with as you choose. The problem that many of us face is that we are still treating our bodies like they belong to us. We're still making decisions with our bodies like they are our own. But not only is this a consecration sacrifice, not only is it a complete sacrifice, but number three, it is a continual sacrifice. It is a continual sacrifice. Another way that they employed this particular sacrifice is that the priest, not only did individuals do it, people would come up and voluntarily offer this as a way to consecrate themselves to the Lord, but the priest, the high priest, would do this every single day for the entire nation. And you see that, we don't have time to turn there, but in Exodus 29, verses 38 through 41, so that you can look that up later, because uh, we know you will. In Exodus 29, 38 through 41, it tells about this sacrifice, this uh, commandment that they're given, that every single morning they're to offer a burnt offering of consecration for the nation as a whole. And so every morning they would get up and they would offer this lamb and put their hands upon it, representing the whole nation, and they would kill it and they would burn it up and they're praying to the Lord saying, our nation has been set apart for you to serve you, to be consecrated for your holy service. And then it says, the command says that every single evening they had to come and do the exact same thing, had to kill the lamb and put it up there and put their hands upon it and identify and pray to the Lord, say, our nation is set apart for your holy service every single day, every morning, every evening they had to offer the offering of consecration to the Lord. And the reason why is because our salvation and the offering for sin that has been made for us, that was made once and for all. But the sacrifice that Paul is talking about here is something that you have to make every single day, every single morning when you wake up. You've got to start the morning saying, I am set apart for your holy service. My hands and my feet and my ears, they don't belong to me. They belong to you to serve you. My body is not my own. I want to give my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is only reasonable service. We consecrate ourselves to him 
And we do it completely. And we do it continually. That's what Paul's asking us to do here. Now let me just remind you of those battle instructions. The battle instructions that Sun Tzu gave. He gave to those warriors when they just started to enter into hostile territory. Whenever you start to think of retreat, when you start to think of wanting to go home, and there are those times, he says, I want you to burn your boats and to burn your bridges. Another image that the scripture gives us is Moses when he's standing before the burning bush. Do you remember that? And God says, what's in your hand? He has that rod in his hand, and he says, I want you to lay it down. And that rod represented everything about Moses' life. It was his protection, and it was his occupation. It was his identity. And he he said, I want you to throw it down, and he says, I want you to take it and throw it down, and he consecrated it, he anointed it, and he says, now I want you to take it back up again. And that same rod that was used for his occupation before is now used for his new occupation of leading the people of Israel, and it was the very instrument that provided all types of miraculous wonders from splitting the sea to turning the water into blood. That very rod had been changed to being used for the service of his flesh now to have been used to the service of the living God. And that is exactly what Paul is asking you to do. That's exactly what the Lord is asking you to do. He's asking you to take your life and to throw it down, to be willing to give it up so that you can pick it back up again. Only this time, it's consecrated for his service, and your life will become the instrument that he uses to, to accomplish all types of miraculous and wonderful things that are that life that used to be used to the service of your flesh is now used for the service of the Almighty King. He wants you to lay it down so that he can give it back to you, so that you can live as those who are alive. But my question is, are you willing to burn your boats and burn your bridges today. That is what Paul is asking us to do now, to take our life in our hands and lay it down so that we can pick it back up to serve God with it. What you're really doing, what it really comes down to, is you're turning over ownership. You're turning over ownership of your life to God. I'm sure that most of the people in here have given your hearts to the Lord. But have you given him your body? And some of you would say, yes, I've done that. I've prayed this prayer. I've heard this Bible study, Brian. I'm sure you have. But have you given it to him completely? Or are there still parts of you that you're holding back? Because this is a complete sacrifice. It's a burnt sacrifice. That's what he's asking you to do. He's asking you to burn it all. Burn it all for him. Is there still parts of you that you're holding back? Have you done it completely? Are you still using your body like it belongs to you? And you say to yourself, well, I I can remember doing that. 
And I'm sure that you have. But then have you done it today? Will you do it tonight before you sleep? Will you do it morning and evening? Because this is not something that we just do completely. It's something that we must do continually. Have you taken the old man of sin who died in Christ and have you burned him up completely in sacrificial surrender and holy consecration to your father? One of the things that I'll say in my prayers sometimes as I'm wrestling with this, because make no mistake, this is something that Mindy and I, as you do here, that we have to do all the time. We, uh, we have to remember why we're there. Because man, I'm telling you, I wish all of you could be there with me. It'd be a whole lot more fun if you guys were there with me. But the fact is, is that you're not. And uh, man, that sucks. Because everything's a lot better when you guys are around. But when you wake up and you just walk outside, and I mean, my kids, uh, Madison and Hudson and Stefan and Caitlin, uh, they've grown up in their Christian life and they have had no believers around them. They haven't had that at all. And in some ways, that's been such a blessing because they've really had to forge their faith and they've really had to do that on their own in many respects. And because of that, they're, they're really strong. Stronger than me, for sure. But it does get really difficult. It can even get a little bit lonely. But I make friends fast, so don't feel, fa- don't feel bad for me. But it does get hard. And so whenever you wake up in the morning, you have to remember why you're there. And you have to be able to pray this prayer. You have to be able to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and do it all over again. And you have to say, Lord, I'm going to give myself. I don't even understand what I'm doing some days. And I'm going to give myself to you, to your holy service, because I know that you understand. I know that you understand the reason why I'm here. I know that you understand the reason why that we come to Midtown. You understand the reason why that we live in London. You're the one that's in control of all this. All I want to do is to do what you tell me to do, that this body belongs to you. And I want to raise my hands. And whenever I do, and I I pray to him, I say this to him. I say, you own my ears, you own my feet, and you own my hands. I am a slave to your demands. And I say that as a way to remind myself that my whole body belongs to him. Now, there's a lot of you that are wondering tonight what you're going to do with your life. I pray that it would start right here. You may not know. You may not know how it's going to turn out. You may not even know where God's going to take you, but would you be willing to take the body that already belongs to him and just offer it to him, to consecrate it to him, to offer it to him in holy, sacrificial service to him? Would you be willing to take that old man because you know what it is that's going on in your life? You know the parts of you that you are holding back right now. You know the parts of your bodies that you're still using like it's your own. You know what those things are. Would you be willing to take that old man and burn it all? 
Be willing to burn those bridges so that you can't go back. Be willing to burn the boats so that you can't retreat. And be able to come down here and just lay down your body and say, my body, the things that I'm going to do with my hands, the things that I'm going to hear with my ears, the things that I'm going to do with my feet, they are going to be set apart in holy service for you. They are no longer, I mean, don't we ever just get tired? Do we get tired of serving the flesh and serving myself all the time? Because I'm telling you, man, I do it a lot. Mindy tells me. I serve myself a lot. And it's exhausting. Do you ever get tired of constantly being, your whole life is about you. And your whole life is about serving your flesh. It's about time that you gave up that old man. That you finally just cut him loose. And you decide that that is going to be enough. And from now on... Every single day when I wake up, my body is going to be used. The things that I listen to and the things that I do, I'm trying to be specific with you because I know the way that we work and we always want to go back to how I feel and how I think in my heart. I'm talking about what are you going to do? How long are you going to wait before you tell that neighbor about Jesus Christ? How much time are you going to let pass before you finally forgive the person who offended you? There are things that you can do with your body. How long are you going to wait before you finally sign up to LFBI? When you know God is calling you into the ministry. My great-grandfather was called to be a preacher all of his life. And my grandfather, thanks to my great-grandmother, he committed his life to Christ and to be a preacher. But my great-grandfather was called to be a preacher all of his life. And he never submitted to the call. And he tried to make it in business. And he failed at almost everything that he did. He was supposed to be a preacher And he was a good Christian, went to church, served, but he never would just give his body to the Lord. I pray that that would not be your testimony. Tonight's the night. Tonight is the night to burn it all. Let's pray. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.